welcome with the little prince introducing us to the show on this Saturday closing day at Churchill Downs with a big six mandatory payout. There's going to be six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars in that pool, maybe a million. And uh, I'm going to have Andy Villanueva. You've heard about him. The man, the legend himself is going to join us Uh little background, Andy has been working with me for two, three years. Him and I work really well together. He really helps me out being able to pump out all these cards and, and do the things that we need to do. And uh, he's an excellent handicapper with a good mind. Don't tell him I said that, though. He's going to come on shortly. So that's just between me and you. He'll, let it, he'll get to his head. But uh, Andy and I go way back to 1994 with me, him, Toby Turrell, and uh, one other guy. Um, we'll just call him Magilla Gorilla. I was uh, standing uh, beside, but behind us uh, and clocking at Santa Anita. So Andy and I go way back. We played soccer together. And uh, he's like a brother to me. And like I said, what I said about him, don't tell him. But anyway, we're going to welcome Andy in just a second. There he is. Mr. Villanueva is on the line with us here on the With the Works podcast. Hey, Andy, good Saturday to you. Good Saturday to you, too. It's uh, a busy one. Yes. Yes. We've got Churchill Downs, uh, Belmont, LaSalle starting up. We've got Gulfstream, Mammoth. Uh, I think on the subscriber site, we've got the Woodbine I put up with uh, no analysis. The analysis is there, just no, no comments but we put in a number of tickets. So uh, lots of things going on today on this Saturday. Tomorrow, uh, another big day. And uh, I head out to Saratoga, and, uh, and Andy and I will be tackling that, that puzzle starting on July 12th. So, Andy, first of all, I told him a little bit about you before the show, before we, you came on. Uh, if you listen to the show, don't let it get to your head. But you do a great job, and we really appreciate you. Tell people a little bit about your background in racing. Um, basically started back in 1990. Uh, a friend of mine was a was the next door neighbor of Jimmy Barnes, and I asked Jimmy Barnes how I could get involved being on the backstretch. And tell people who Jimmy Barnes is. Tell people who Jimmy, Jimmy Barnes, Barnes is. Jimmy Barnes is the assistant trainer to Bob Baffert. Uh, at the time, he was actually the assistant trainer to uh, Michael Whittingham and Charlie. So he moved back and forth from barn to barn. But um, he basically told me to show up uh, the day at five in the morning and he tried to find something for me. And he did. He found uh, a place for me at George Vogel's barn for a couple of weeks. And then um, I went over to Richard Mandel's barn. Uh, you ended up working with Jude Feld. Uh, who gave you high praises on this podcast. And uh, I give you some high praises. I mean, you were my sweeper uh, on, on our my brother's uh, soccer team, who was absolutely awful. And uh, you guys nearly got me killed. But you were a good soccer player, too. I think you – didn't you play for the Tampa Bay Rowdies uh, farm team? No, I was, in L- I was in L.A. for most of the time. All right, which and, team uh, did you play for? Jeez, um, it was a USL. It was not a USL team, but it was like the A League or something like that back in the early '90s. I was playing. We had a lot of fun back then. I, I, I you know, me, you, Toby, and uh, McGilla Gorilla. 
sitting behind this uh, clock and down at uh, Santa Anita. So Andy and I go way back, um, and uh, we have a tendency to, to, to uh, just like me and Weaver, we have a tendency to bag on each other. And, uh, and yeah, usually a, like, it happens in the mornings while we're clocking together. That's why we don't clock together very often. Yeah, that's well, you're also in Houston, Texas now. But anyway, yeah. hey, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Churchill Downs uh, card today and uh, just kind of get some ideas. What do you think of the pick six today? love it i mean it's definitely one of those those pick six uh cards where you have to be strategic as far as where where you place your singles and um where you want to go deep but it's one of those cards where it's definitely a hittable spot and there's a lot of prices available for you to to take the whole pot if you want to you want to give them one race that you like you know i I really like um, the ninth race over at over on the five and a half furlong turf course over there. I just that uh, when you look at a Wesley Ward horse and it's training well and it's working well, and you have two of them in that race, and one of them has a name rider like uh, Corey Lannery, and the other one has Julio Garcia. You tend to try to lean over to who. Lannery, but those of us that have known Wesley for as long as we have, we we tend to have a tendency to know that he probably likes the full better. Um, it's a Ramsey, it's a Ramsey owned horse, and he's probably going to try to win the race because the Ramseys like to win in Kentucky. Oh, uh, Ramsey loves to bet too. Yeah, and that's way. and okay. it's battle you know, station, and, and the Wesley. The there's little secret to Wesley. You gotta you gotta make sure you know see who the owners are i mean he'll hat creek racing ice wine stables um when he breeds and own horses and you have to do that with all these trainers if they breed the horse or train the horse and own the horse uh you you, you always have to give it extra credit because uh they're looking out for their events interest of course like just like anybody else would so you always have to look at that um and uh and go from there now you uh, you and I work very well together because you're able to allow me to do multiple cards. Uh, I you know I work with you on the Belmont and Churchill. We'll be working on Ellis and and Saratoga in in the next uh, six to eight weeks. And you know when you handicap, give us. I know we first of all people don't know out there when we handicap we handicap where our where our handicapping factors only. Yeah, and, I mean, and that means that we we don't use sheets, we don't use other reports. We use everything that is on our site. So we use our own exclusive info to handicap, and a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I mean, we always we always make sure that uh, the first thing we do when when the when they get the cards lines come out is you know we put together the the deltas and. Um, we look at all the workout reports and, you know, I can look at my notes from trip reports and all that. And I'll figure out what horses may have a shot in there before I even look at a, before I even look at a performance, because I think it's important to look at your own notes before seeing what's going on as far as what other people have written or said, or how a horse may have run that race was affected by anything. How do you use, uh, 
the with the works uh, when you play the races? When when I play the races, I'm always looking for. First off, I always go through the workout reports, and I will look to see if because it's been ingrained in me from the beginning that, and it's really important because it really makes sense. If you end up uh, touting a horse, even if it's a basic thing like look good, moving, follow, or this horse has a look factor to it or caught the eye. Those are the horses that you want to even, even if it's a three-star work, you have to give it more credence than a four, than a horse that you gave a one or two-star work or even a three-star work that didn't have that caught the eye uh, information. Those are the horses that seem to be the ones that are touting themselves and making themselves available to say, hey, look, this, I'm ready to go. Let's, let's fire today. And, um, it, it basically helps single out horses that maybe I probably wouldn't have even had. And and you've been around horses, and uh, you know I try to do it. I when I and this is why I tell people please read the comments. Don't just look at the the stars, because if I like a horse, I will tell you more than the stars. I will tell you if I like the horse. I may have three stars on him, but I may not quite like the spot he's in. And I have to kind of juggle that in some ways. Uh, a lot of clockers can't do that, Andy. A lot of clockers can't handicap and look at the works and, and make sense or tails. They just go off the good work. I, I like a pattern. I have to have a pattern. You know, here during during the spring and summer, I've spent a lot of time at Keeneland, as, you know, and, uh, uh, and because I wanted to be able to, I, I was looking ahead. See, it's a lot of times also people don't look ahead. And I'm looking ahead towards Saratoga. I noticed here at Churchill there wasn't a whole lot of two-year-olds. There just wasn't. There wasn't the, the, the traffic that I saw last year. But at, at, at Keeneland, just in the last, I want to say, Andy, the last five weeks, I think I put in about 220 gateworks, from, and mostly were two-year-olds. So there is a little bit of a later feel to the two-year-olds really coming out this year. I don't know if it's by design. I don't know if it's because things have, uh, there's some uh, factors that I haven't seen yet. But I think a lot of two-year-olds are making later starts this year. And, and it, you know, oh, go ahead. And so... When, when when you say you're looking at the at the workout report, you're right. And also, we've added you know more pedigree information on the actual auctions. We've added videos for people to see the the, the two year olds in training. Uh, they don't have to go anywhere; they're right there on the site. So there's a lot of different things that people can see and be able to make up their mind on the workout reports. And those are only available through RacingWithBruno.com and BrunoWithTheWorks.com. Now, like, for example, for Saratoga, Andy, and for Ellis, I'm excited about Ellis. How about you? I am, too. I actually already uh, started looking at the card for Ellis last night, and um, there, there's some things in there, but the one thing that struck me as very interesting is the fact that there's a lot of uh, California trainers that are coming out here this week, and uh, 
it's interesting to see it uh, because usually they'll they'll spot their horses at Los Alamitos and they chose to come out to, for the purses. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've seen Peter Miller starting to heat up out here, and it's taken them a little bit to get. Uh, you know, there's differences in the way the KHRC out here differs from the CHRB with their rules. Where in California, you can do so many different things. Um, and, and then one of the things that has not been publicized at all, and people don't know it, and it has to do with all this craziness in California, is that the CHRB was allowing guys to be able to go on and off the ONR steroids. They could go on steroids, and I think they needed to be on the vets list for a month or 45 days or something, and then were able to come off and then run. So guys were yo-yoing on and off of steroids. Well, you know, steroids and windstraw and all that stuff can also hollow bone and create issues with bone, especially if you're going on and off, on and off. Uh, I talked to a few people that, that, you know, weren't even aware that that was going on. But uh, so now they come out here to Kentucky uh, and to New York, and now they got to adapt to the rules out here. You can't yo-yo on and off of steroids out here. You can't well, do it. Well, I think... And and I've met and I and I think one of the things that you know since coming back since coming back east and you know clocking and and watching how they work horses in the mornings and they train horses they just train horses differently out here than they do in California I I, I truly believe that they train horses in Kentucky in in Houston at Oaklawn they they're more they're more inclined to to get a horse to race into their their fitness than race it than to work fitness so they're, well, they don't mind losing they don't mind losing a couple races because the third race the horse is going to be fit enough for whatever whatever spot they well the one the big difference that i saw out here immediately is that they gallop harder here but they don't yeah. work as fast and but do they ask horses to go more than just a half miles they give here if you look in you know everything works a half mile on the east coast yes but those horses all have five eighths and three quarter gallop outs that are basically yeah. about a work they might go 13 and change in california they'll go 16 and change here but they're asking them to go out i mean every chad brown gets half mile and i guarantee you and i know i've seen it i over and over again his horses go 14 15 on the gallop out for three quarters for those half miles they'll go one-on-one and change so those times you see in the form those are all be, uh, the preference of the clockers of the trainer that what they wanted published exactly Remember that all the the, the the clocking crews strictly believe that they don't work for the horse racing fan they work for the horsemen they're here for the horsemen and they're going to cater to the horsemen and give them the times and give them the distances they want I do have a funny story for you, Andy. There's a guy that used to train for the Ramses. And um, one of the funniest stories I ever heard, he kept running second and thirds with first-time starters. So Ken called me, called him one day and said, listen, boss, I mean, we're running second there. You're not working these horses five-eighths. They're not ready. And the trainer said, listen, Mr. Ramsey, I go out, out five-eighths of a mile. I just ask for a half mile. Ramsey goes, no, no, you need to go five eighths. So the trainer the next day calls the clocker and says, hey, listen, will you do me a favor? Every works horse that I work, just give me the gallop out time for five eighths, right? Lo and behold, what happens? Two of Ramsey's first time starters wins. Ken picks up the phone right away. 
See, I told you you needed to work five eighths. Nothing <laughs> changed, but what happened was he got the gallop out time instead of the half mile time that he was asking for all the time. So sometimes what people get in the in the past performances in the DRF, and by the way, how long is the DRF clockers? Over the years, when the DRF had their own clockers out there and putting the times in their past performances, were they shaving seconds off the, the, the works? It's been happening forever. The official times are not to really be trusted. Bottom line, no. bullet works can't be trusted. But I want to ask you this. In California, they were pretty much spot on, weren't they? Oh, I mean, in California, was amazing when we used to clock back then because we would we would go and and do our work afterwards and i mean we'd be pretty much spot on with that nothing ever changed i mean oh if if a mandela went you know five furlongs and 101 and one you know we knew exactly what horse it was because it was 101 on in in the workout reports that santa anita would give out the next day and then the afternoon. I but mean, I will tell you they, this. I will tell you this, so we can tell people out there. I don't care if my times match up in the tab. I'm always double checking the markings because oh yeah. it's so easy to flip flop two horses, and I've seen it happen over and over again. Speaking of times being not what they are, I think the greatest example was when Taprit for Todd Pletcher was training for the Travers two years ago. And he got an official time of 50 and two. Well, he went 50 and two, 102 flat, 114 and one, and out in 27 and change. As you can hear, the nine o'clock bells here uh, at Churchill Downs uh, behind me. It's one of the special things about clocking here. You get them at six, seven, eight, nine. You know exactly what time it is. But Taprit was a great example. He didn't go 50 and two. He went seven eighths of a mile in 27 and change. So, uh, you know, trainers get what they want and the clockers work for the trainers. At least apparently that's what they believe they do. So they're not working for you, you know, out there. So you've got to have information that basically does not count on those works you see in your past performance, especially DRF. I, I, I don't even, I, I, you know, their clockers to me are like, you know, dead to me, you know. But um, Andy, you looked at Belmont also for today. What do you got at Belmont? Um, I've, I've, uh, I've scoured that racetrack or I scoured that track all day to this morning and today. And the one thing, the one thing I noticed as the bells go off here, um, the one thing I noticed is I use race a lot and i'll tell you why because dunbar road dunbar road is probably brown's best three-year-old philly um you know all the all the talk about guarana and all of that but she's probably the best three-year-old philly but i don't think she's i think she's going to be tough in that but i really she trained like really good for that race i watched yeah she did i mean yeah. i mean i i basically put in there that you know the two works that she after that that work that race i mean she basically the rider needed everything in his power to to take her back and and finish head and head so but you know jeltrin ran third to guarana and serengeti empress which are probably two of the best three-year-old fillies in the country as well 
and she she didn't she held her own for for those two going out and distancing the field she was the third best in that race and you know if you get four to one on her i mean that that's a gift and you know this race this this game isn't about this is it's an interesting matchup and i'll tell you why yeah. during the oaks prior to the oaks i i i chatted with with uh, a member yeah, with chad brown himself about jeltrin and guarana was sitting on the i'm sorry not guarana but dunbar road was sitting on the also eligibles and he needed one scratch to get her in and he told me he goes if i get in the oaks i win it this philly is phenomenal he loved her and jeltrin who always showed half mile three eighths mile speed and stopped the best thing that jeltrin's got going over there is um is uh um is that just one turn just had a peter miller horse just go straight up to his hind legs and he's over there he's over here by the winter circle at churchill downs and he's just going right back i mean he almost flipped over backwards here he's got i think he's got cory lannery on him uh if i'm not mistaken but uh he's going to be about set to work but uh, the, the biggest thing is um you know, so it's an interesting matchup because Jaltrin was a thorn in, in, in Chad's side because she decided to come to the Oaks and was going to be a non-factor in the Oaks because she's not a two-turn horse. She's a one-turn horse. But now they're going one turn over there, right? Yep. So They're going one turn. So, and the way, and, you know, some people, some people handicap the one-turn races, uh, uh, the one as a route race and you can't do that at Belmont. You have to you have to look at the one turn routes as a sprint because they have such a long distance to that turn that it plays out like a sprint early and some horses that show route speed don't show the don't show the one turn speed that you want to see. So and, and vice gonna, versa and vice versa when they go to Saratoga, all those one turn races get kind of turned upside down um because you know now you got to go two turns, and these horses are basically sprinters stretching out. A lot of those elongated, elongated, even a mile and a sixteenth or a mile at Belmont, those are a mile. Those those are one turn. Those are just yeah. those are sprints. They're not. Yeah. You know, so it's a much different even a race mile, than anything else. Even the mile and a quarter is almost a is almost a one turn. You know, it's just it's Belmont definitely one of the one of the most difficult tracks to understand if you don't follow it every day also it's one of the hardest tracks to, to clock over because your 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 gate is located you know at the chute out by the belmont training track and um and it's just i mean it's a million miles away and you know where the half mile pole starts at the top of the turn you know and that's a half a mile from where the gate is at the top of the uh, at the top of the, the chute which makes it really tough to clock there. I'm, I was never a fan of clocking at Belmont. And I thought the track was really deep. Um, and, you know, when they go to Saratoga, it's a little bit more easier because it's, it's, it's a little easier. It's a mile and an eighth and, and, and a track. Um, we caught our teeth at Hollywood Park on a mile and an eighth track. I think a mile and an eighth track is the best place, best track to clock at. And, of course, you have Keeneland. It's a mile and a sixteenth. A lot of people don't know that either. It's a mile and a 16 track, not a mile, uh, as my, many people think. Andy, we got to cut out. They can go to racingwithbruno.com and get all our stuff. 
is I've got a team of uh, Norm Cassies that just came out of the gate. This is his third set over here. Uh, it's a chestnut instead of a darker bay. Is I'm going to do a little bit of work here while I'm on here with you. Norm is, uh, I, I really like Norm Cassie a lot as a trainer. I like him as a person. I think he, he's not of the mold that a lot of trainers are. Um, and, um, and, and I think he's going to be very, very successful. His chestnut went 37, and now he's going to draw away by about three lengths and about uh, 49 flat and 50 on his other horse. And, and 49 flat here at Churchill Downs is equivalent to a 47 anyplace else. They locate the starting gate for Morning Works, galloped out in 102 and 4. Uh, they locate it, the, the gate out up in, the sh in a little chute right about the, the, the 516th pole. Uh, and in that little shoot, so they, they go straight and then they take an immediate, uh, would that be a left-hand turn down the stretch? It is one of the most different places as I have another gate team coming out of here right now. Another, it, one of the most different, uh, uh, layouts for gate works. And in the morning, gate works can be out of the shoot from the three quarter pole. They can be out of the shoot down, you know, at the bottom of a quarter pole. Every track has an interesting morning layout for Gateworks, so it makes it very hard to compare. These are Larry Joneses with a gray just drafting right behind another horse by design. Um, and I'm very interested to see how this Gary, jo uh, this Larry Jones, uh, boy, I went back a ways with Larry. Wow, Jones, Gary Jones. Talk about going. Talk about I going know, old school. I know, old school. There, Gary Jones, the father of Martin Jones, out in California. So um, was that a golden was that a golden eagle horse you just saw work? Uh, yeah, no. But you know the interesting part about it is if you watch these horses, uh, they just went about a fifty-one and two, fifty-one and four. The gray is drafting behind, and then at the last eighth of a mile, finished in in twelve flat for go about one hundred three and four. Uh, it's a gray for for Larry Jones going out three quarters. It was a design work. They popped the gate. The gray set behind and is finishing up, uh, finished up really well. It actually finished up in 16, which is almost like, you know, a 14 and change anyplace else. Uh, and that was a Larry Jones. Uh, Miller's been working the tab this morning, the, the barn this morning here, uh, uh, Andy. And uh, he just worked another chest, not easy. And I got another gate. So stay on with me, Andy. I'm kind of like rolling right now. Another gate work here. Uh, we've already had 16. I'm looking at probably another six to eight in, in this break. So we're going to have over 22 gate works uh, this morning. Um, who do we have here? We have Quartarolo and a Romans. Uh, Quartarolo uh, is uh, Ron Paolucci Racing. Uh, they went 24 and two, 24 and three. Romans likes to work late, Andy. He works late. I, I don't know I don't know why, but he shows up here at nine o'clock and that's when all his horses work. If you leave at nine forty five, you might miss three of his horses. Um, he'll work them at nine fifty, nine fifty five. One day I was leaving at nine fifty nine and um, he was uh drilling some gray. It went twenty two and change, thirty three thirty four and change, and then I lost it behind some poles. But uh Romans likes to come out late and uh, uh 102 and 3 on the quarter roller. You could probably check on the tabs and 103 and 4 on the Romans that worked here. The quarter roller was much best. 
So let's just finish out. We talked about the the, the mother goose last year was won by uh, by the monster that's uh, in the Jeffrey Bloom and Steve Aspison barn. Uh, and, Midnight and, Bisu. Yeah, Midnight Bisu, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing their rendition this year. Guarana, we'll see if what Chad said about Guarana would have won the Oaks if she would have gotten in, and she didn't get in because of Jeltrin. It would be very interesting if Jeltrin turns the tables and says, well, tell you what, I don't think you would have won the Oaks either. You know? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you know, the uh, one real quick, but, you know, I was looking, I was looking at the card while you were talking. You know, the one race that offers a lot of value because everybody is going to play Uni is that is the uh, perfect thing. Uni's going to be one to five, and there's no speed in the race. And if she's not up close, she's not going to win the race. And you know, maybe Albert Tranny can steal the race on Too Charming. That's interesting. And Too Charming has been a thorn in my side, beating me when I didn't have, you know, have it. And uh, I just had Sonneteer work 47 and one out in 101 and one for uh, from the from the half mile pole. Probably went longer. And Man, I, I love that horse. Yeah, he's a neat horse. He's a neat horse. You know, he just, you know what? He's got a lot of talent. He needs to go two miles. He would have been great at Ascot, you know. So, but, um, you know, in some of those races. And, Andy, I want to give you a lot of props. You did super at Ascot. You and I worked on those cards together. You came up with some really nice horses, and people loved it. We had over a thousand downloads over at, uh, um, over at Ascot uh, when we gave them out for free. And uh, you did a fantastic job on that. And I just wanted to say thank you. And I really enjoyed working with you on that too. And having Fun. said that, let's see, I had, um, I had a uh, three and a half team from Vicky Foley with a gray doing really nicely in 36 and four, the last three eights. Sonneteer, I had 35, three, 47, four, one on one, one. So this is all live. Uh, we're not looking stuff on videos. Uh, we're, we're not rewinding and checking it out. We do it all live. And that's the only way you can actually clock and actually have a clue on what you're seeing. But anyway, yeah. uh, Andy, thanks for joining us. I really enjoyed it. And um, we will be talking to you during Saratoga. And uh, uh, thank you for all the hard work you put in. All righty. Thank you. Have a great one. Oh, by the way, let me ask you something. You're a soccer guy. Italy and Netherlands play in the Women's World Cup right now. Who do you got? Uh, Netherlands. You're out. See you later. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you.